Alright. Now remember Pete, I told you that what happened in this song, what I'm singing about, it didn't actually happen, alright? <clears throat> this was never the way I'd planned. It, it weren't my intention. I just got so brave with rum in hand. I lost my discretion. It ain't what I'm used to. I just wanted to try it on. I was curious about it. It caught my attention. I kissed the first mate and I liked it. The taste of Jones, for the last time, quit your plucking on that stupid thing. Didn't I tell you a lot to be cleaning your pistols and sharpening your blades? Well, well, now, Captain, my occupational therapist said I were in danger of contracting repetitive stress injury from all of this shooting and slashing we do. Not to mention all the scrubbing and the painting. The only repetitive stress injuries around here is going to be my trigger finger when I give the two of you lovers a fatal case of lead poisoning and the pain in me arse from cleaning up the bloodbath your rotten corpses leave behind. Ah, oh, Captain, I just tidied up the hold. Yeah, and the safety rails down there ain't been certified yet. I mean, you might slip. Enough! You ought to be looking to your own safety, not mine. And and there's that there. Now, I don't want to be bringing up another sore point here, but you're back to your old habits of making wild threats again. That's no substitute for proper employee motivation. You had been doing pretty good till just then. Now, I know the haul from the Banu merchantman were a bit on the disappointing side. Disappointing? We didn't take the ship! As I recall, you took me side down from me right before we boarded. Here now, Captain, I already apologize for me and Pete going a raiding without you, but I weren't going to let you board that Banu with that thing. That model has four outstanding product recall notices on it, and you're likely to blow off your own hand before you even shoot a guard. If you're doing your job, you never need to shoot. The dread of your dark and dangerous deeds does all the damage. Oh, that's kind of catchy. Shut it! If you morons knew the first thing about pirating, you'd know the guns and knives aren't just tools to make bleed and festering holes in people. The right words, combined with a big scary weapon, and your daily bread is all but in your belly. Uh, uh, we know, Captain. And if you tell them about the sizzle of flesh when you strap a man to the coolant loop of a power core, the gibbering fools just hand over the loot when they soil their trousers. All oh, right, you are, Captain. Or if you describe in excruciating detail how lymphatic fluid boils away in a vacuum while you slowly decompress an airlock. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, should I tell him, Pete? I, I reckon so. Tell me what? Spill your guts before I Before fill... you spill them for me, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a natural p- progression. Oh, we ain't gonna there. tell him, Captain, we swear! Tell, tell, tell what? Well, we know you ain't never shot a man, nor stabbed one, nor gutted one, nor burned one. Or choked. Now, I, I were coming to that, Pete. And, and Captain, we know you negotiated all Whoa. of that loot from the captain of the Bengal carrier. I, no, no, that's, that's, that's a lie. You lying, you false sentence maker of not... Truthful it's, o- it's, it's okay, Captain. We won't say a word to nobody. <laughs> it, I mean, it ain't exactly a cold-blooded killing, but your way gets the job done, doesn't it? I mean, it funded that brokerage account. and making a nice, healthy after-tax return, isn't it? I'm ashamed. Here now, Captain. Stiff upper lip and all that, and, and well, we've got a confession too, don't we, Pete? <laughs> I reckon so, Jones. You better tell it now. Well, turns out that that ship that we boarded, the Banu, well, its registration was out of date. <laughs> and the exhaust licenses. Tell them about the licenses. You, you did it. An inspection? You piped down, Pete. I were getting there. No, we, we didn't need no inspection, Captain. The propellant control licenses were all wrong for their fuel consumption, and a bunch of other safety and navigation problems, well, they were as plain as the warts on Pete's nose. So I goes up to their captain and I explain to him all the violations. Oh, oh, oh you, you blackmailed him, Jones. You, you threatened him with the torture of a thousand merciless forms filled out in triplicate and hand-delivered to condescending bureaucratic functionaries. Ha <laughs> ha, me hearty. 
Uh, no, no, I, I didn't have to threaten them. They were already quite scared of the forums, which, you know, they, they really ain't so bad once you look at them. But it turns out they didn't think they could afford all the fees. So Pete goes over their books while he fills out all the paperwork. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Looking for treasure buried deep in the arcane symbology, hiding a fortune in smuggled contraband and forbidden baubles. <laughs> Pete, you black-hearted sorcerer! No, but they were riddled with transcription errors. Right you are, Pete. Turns out the Banu, they were they were between accountants. I mean, they fired their last one because they got soaked on tax charges last quarter. Oh, concealing their illicit trade and the wages of sin and the pleasures of the flesh from the bloated and overbearing empire. Nope. Corporate structure was all wrong for their operations. Yeah, see, so, so Pierre, he went and reincorporated them as a limited partnership. Saved him thousands. Ah, oh, you see, they were, I, I, I got nothing. I give up. We're not pirates anymore, are we? No, we're, we're consultants. Now, don't say it like that, Captain. Yeah, I mean, we still be pirates of heart. I mean, why, just because we grabbed the loot based on a share of gross pre-tax credit saved after advisement? Well, that's still a cutthroat way to make a living, you mark my words. Aye, we skim it right off the top, plus expenses. Expenses? Yeah, aye, aye. Like your defective gun. I mean, wouldn't you like a bigger sidearm for waving about when you're talking about decapitating and incinerating folks? Well... And, and swords, so, swords for everyone. I ordered three of them last week. Expense them all. And and rum, and and tobacco, and 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 a real time data feed to the commodity market on Terra. And open accounts with our names to My last nav check put me on Lagrange point four. This is Control, we are radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, citizens. I'm back, and you're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 30, and was recorded live on July the 12th, and made available for download July 15th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. All right, what do we have this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, Tony totally chickens out. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in in-universe fiction, 10 for the Chamron episode 28, the latest news on Arena Commander, and the next episode of Around the Verse. And this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk insurance. And finally, we tune in the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and sieves, we are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, then we'd love to hear from you. Just drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look fantastic on a CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After six months of clockwork releases, trips to Austin and L.A., plans to visit Gamescom and Manchester, and the occasional detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set that hat on the sidewalk and ask you for a little help. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week for free, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that the folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's chipped in already and hope that you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. Also, for those of you who are fans of Star Trek Online, our sister production, Priority One Podcast, has just about a week to go on their Indiegogo campaign. If you'd like some one-of-a-kind swag, like game posters signed by the dev team, then you can help get the broadcast team to Star Trek Las Vegas 2014. Help out the team and help yourself some great backer rewards. Just go to Indiegogo.com and search for Priority. And links will, of course, be in the show notes. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. This show, yeah, it's a hobby, right? It's my escape, my release, my chance to talk about a game set in space where I can be a space pilot doing space chores in a, in a spaceship. 
I don't need my real job intruding into my playtime in space. Well, the world has other plans for me. Regular listeners of the show might remember my occasional complaints about the lesser prairie chicken being a thorn in my side during my professional work hours. The little bird has been designated as a threatened species under federal law, and any interference with their activities or environment is punishable by fines and jail time. As you might imagine, it's thrown a bit of a kink into a lot of activities in the rural Midwest, farming, ranching, hunting, all pretty predictable. And I thought, you know, well separated from my hobbies and my extracurricular activities, space stuff, you know. Yeah, turns out I was wrong. Quoting an article in the Midland, Texas Telegraph Reporter, It appears the mating rituals of the Lesser Prairie Chicken are imposing on Midland International Airport's pursuit of a spaceport license. End quote. Turns out the sonic booms generated by spacecraft re-entering the atmosphere or the noise of the jet engines powering the mothership aircraft of vehicles like Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 might disrupt the male lesser prairie chicken sexy sexy invitation to all the lady prairie chicken for a sexy sexy good time. Yeah, let me lay it down for you right here. So, as you might imagine, jet turbines and supersonic acoustic wave fronts might sort of drown out this song of love. Worse, it might scare away all the chickens from the lesser prey chicken boudoir. No chicken sexy time, no new little chickens. The Fish and Wildlife Service has until September to rule on this issue. Midland Director of Airports Marv Easterly expected a finding of, quote, no significant impact to be delivered. Basically, it's a scientific blessing of the takeoffs and the landings. The affected area would be a pair of three-mile-wide corridors extending five miles from each runway in an X pattern. Sixty square miles of threatened species potential habitat. I hope he's right. Because if he's wrong, every pilot who takes a chicken, taking defined basically as anything that harms the bird or its habitat, that pilot could be on the hook for $75,000 in fines and penalties and up to a year in federal prison per bird. So if you disturb a flock of prairie chickens, that's a multiple fines. Jail time. So yeah, this tiny little bird is like a real-life Pokemon. I mean, with just two months of relentless, um, not thriving, I guess, uh, it's managed to throw a kink into our push into the final frontier. I tell you what, chicken, you let us figure out how to get off this rock, and we'll just give you the Texas Panhandle. Deal? Links will be in the show notes. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I can't believe we're talking about chickens, so... I know! <laughs> I know. And not real chickens. This stupid little bird is... They're technically a species of grouse. Right. If you care to know. Yeah, that, yes, they're a grouse. They actually fly, but only very short distances. I hear there's a drought going on over there, and, and uh, one little wildfire might take care of the whole problem. It's a funny thing about water. If plants and animals don't get it, they... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not a biologist. They... Um, they don't get water, they... Die? That's it, die. That's <laughs> it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, they die. So pretty much we're just waiting for a lot of rain, and that'll probably just sort of fix the prairie chicken problem. But uh, until we get that, we're just going to not build spaceports. I might have a so. solution. So there's there's not many of these. They're threatened, right? Do, do yes. they have rough numbers of how many exist in the wild? Um, last count done uh, over the past year that was just released, uh, approximately 22,000 are left. Okay, well, my plan was, you know, if we can't make them breed, we make them extinct, right? Which, a little harsh, but just just bear with me whilst I, I okay, run through yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Through crowdfunding, CIG have raised $47 million. If it's $75,000 per chicken, they can afford to murder 626 and two-thirds of a chicken and still be profitable. Hmm, that's interesting. Yes. Well, the problem is that you get the jail time. Ah. You have to figure in, like, attorney's fees and, and, and stuff like that, too. And that so would be that 626 years of jail time, which... Yes. I'm not yeah. a biologist either, but I believe that's slightly longer than the average lifespan of a human. Yeah, I believe you are correct. I mean, there's always the possibility of negotiating that down, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to count on that. Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. One seven five Port Bay, hands on approach. Check your screen. Call the ball. Don't get technical with me. 
our crowdfunding update for July 12, 2014, 47,981,000. Honestly, people, how many times do we have to cover this? Get your donations in before Saturday so we can get a letter from the chairman before the show airs. Seriously. And we're just over 497,000 registered users. Will next week bring us up over half a million? Where's my eight ball? Where's my eight ball? I don't have my eight ball. If you're just getting into the game, you can still get your Arena Commander passes available for five bucks. And every module after that is going to be an additional five bucks. So hopefully you're saving up your five bucks for all those modules that will be coming out. Well, as there's no crowdfunding barrier broken through, we don't have a letter from the chairman. However, we do have 10 for the Chairman episode 28, which was released. And as normal, Chris takes 10 questions from the subscribers and gives us all of the answers that we're dying to hear. So, a couple of questions that were asked. Firstly, can we be citizens in Alien Civilization? Civilizations. As we know, citizenship is going to have rights and privileges, and Chris replies, not in version 1, but in the future, yes, it's, it's very likely. He was also asked, what are the biggest tech roadblocks? And going from 32-bit to 64-bit, along with multiple crewed ships and local physics and the server structures, are generally what's causing them issues at the moment. Chris was then asked, will insurance expire on ships that are not in use? And he says, yes, it is after all time-based, i.e. if a month in game elapses, then after that time has elapsed, your insurance is void, even if your ship stays in the hangar. And we'll have much more on that in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. Chris was also asked, will there be black holes and pulsars, and what will the effects of them be? And he says that some systems will have physical effects, like radio static, etc., but nothing's been fully nailed down yet. And finally, he's asked about what will happen regarding shields draining when shooting or maneuvering, and he replies that shields require a certain power level to be maintained, and if other actions pull power from the shield systems, for example, firing or shooting or maneuvering, then it will divert power away from those systems. Of course, a capacitor will keep the shields from dropping instantly, but they will drain slowly if the power does not return to a certain level. Uh, currently, the power systems are unbalanced and they should be fixed in 12.5 and 13.0. Uh, the power profiles will be a new thing with the new HUD that is likely to be coming in version 13, not in version 12.5. Now, it was quite interesting that he didn't make any mention of patch 12.6 or 12.7. So do you guys think they're going to skip a version? No. <laughs> I think these things are a ways off. This power management system is not likely to be seen in the next uh, couple of weeks, I think, is what it's, they're st- it's still a work in progress. It's coming soon. Yeah, TM, soon. I, I, I kind of, I don't like the way this this is right now, where the, your, apparently your maneuverability has the, uh, is the sort of the, the, the priority system. I don't like that. Uh, that, and, I, and maybe this is just a training thing where I have to take away, it's not your father's Oldsmobile uh, that I keep, you know, saying with the flight system. You could set your power to your weapons and your shields and your engines and it would be distributed thusly and that's the rock hard limits and that's where it would stay. The, this system, this flight system seems to, uh, the, the thrusters and the maneuvering system always has the priority on your power and the shields and weapons are just at the mercy of that. And maybe you can set the relative drain between the shields and the weapons, but the thrusters are always going to have first dibs on power. Not liking that, but maybe it's just something we have to get used to. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense overall from a um, like a real-world electronic sort of point of view. I mean, if you're flying, especially in space, maneuvering is going to be your ultimate thing as opposed to shields but it would be good if you could set a limit on what is able to be taken from x system because yeah i don't want to be in a position where i'm you know running for my life and have no cover whatsoever i mean if that just means that i've got to run a little bit slower maybe and do it manually i don't know but yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sold on this either i see more taking power from my engines not my thrusters but my engines where you know, in normal flight, I might be doing uh, 300 kps, and then I drop my power to my engine by 70 percent, and I might my top speed might then be, you know, 220 kps. Well, but I mean that's the thing. the The speed limits in this game are just artificial governor things that have to do with you know safety and, and stability. You know, the the top speed again. That's the whole. This isn't your father's Oldsmobile thing. You know, your top speed is dictated only by your flight control system, not the amount of power in your thrust system because it's you know quasi Newtonian out there. You should be able to apply a very low power for a long period of time and accelerate to an ungodly rate of speed, but you can't. Because uh, of the limits of the flight control system uh, that they've programmed in, I just so I, I see where your power to your engine system is really power to change your velocity 
in a certain amount of time or space. That's really what that is. It's basically reduced maneuverability. It's not reduced top speed. So I, I can see where there there might there, there's some reasons why it is set up this way. I'm just saying I'm not. I don't like it, <laughs> and I don't I don't want that to be the only choice that I have. Is that I have to have maximum maneuverability at all times, and I just have to choose between whether I want less guns or less shields. And this week's fan spotlight shines the limelight on fans who have simply gone beyond creating, let's say, the universe's premier Star Citizen podcast. Oh, no, no. They're on to the next stage, creating their own peripherals and cockpits to play Arena Commander. Now, Jeff is our resident space sim expert and has been known to have some elaborate setups, including Warthogs, Track IR, and Voice Attack. But uh, one of the entrants puts even our illustrious co-host to shame. Jazz Arrow's command center has... A Warthog, a Cytec Yoke, a Thrall Quadrant, Radio Stack, LCE Instruments, <gasps> Cytec Cyborg Control Stick, Cytec Rudder Pedals, Nostromo N52, Space Pilot Pro, and that's not even half the entry. The list is endless, and apparently this is just a sample of what this guy takes into battle. So, if you're looking for ways to make your gaming setup feel inadequate, head over to the Fan Spotlight on the RSI site, or through the links in our show notes. Some of this stuff is incredible. I mean, I play for some realism, and I like my HOTUS for, for that realism's sake, but these guys take it to some extreme levels, and and kudos to them. I really, I wouldn't mind a control chair that was on gimbals and had you know uh, moved when I moved. But uh, um, man, that, some of this stuff is like incredible. Two pieces of fiction come to us from RSI this week. First up, Plain Truth, Phase Ten, where the opening paragraphs give you more than enough cause to reach for that tinfoil hat as they discuss the UEE monitoring data communications before moving on to the big news story, the creation of a new planet. Totally from scratch. An interesting piece that gives us more insight into the fabric of the Star Citizen universe. And next, Orbital Supermax, Episode 2, where a desperate situation sees Dr. Wyrick prove how powerful words can truly be. Yeah, I've missed, uh, obviously I've been out for a couple of weeks now and I was just catching up on Orbital Supermax and again it's just such a fantastic piece to come out I'm really excited to see where this where this goes I'm excited to find out what the guy's name is yeah yeah the viewpoint character I don't think anybody said his name yet I think it I think it was right at the end of this one um, was it? No, no, it wasn't. It was the other guy. Sorry. Probably it's on purpose. Most stories, you know who the guy's name is. And or it's in the title, like a sorry Lyrex delivery. You know, it's there's something right up there. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it turns out yeah. that he's Mr. Lyrex and he is the father. I am your father. Yeah, something like that. Yes. Yeah, or he's Kaiser Sose. I'm betting on Kaiser Sose. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure. Around the Verse, Episode 5 was released, bringing us the best from the Star Citizen community and also putting us straight in touch with the team behind the game. This week we learned that 200,000 backers now have access to Arena Commander multiplayer, just like you heard last week on this show. Patch 12.5 will add a new Vandal enemy. Ooh. Personalized Star Citizen dog tags, playing cards, and towels are coming our way. Woohoo! Dog tags! And the dog tags, well, the dog tags, they're already sold out. I know, it was announced, and then they'd sold out by the time I'd even got back in the country. Work continues on the New Horizons game mode. I don't even know what that is. And the Mustang is now being modeled in the game engine. The team behind the Persistent Universe tells us that Tony Zurovec is visiting the team in Canada and organizing the next push for the Persistent Universe development. The team in Austin are drilling down on version 2.0 of the game development and design documentation that will cover missions, mining systems, contraband, economy, etc. And the team have created miniature star systems to simulate the first five in-game star systems. We also learn of some ship development. The UK team has been working on an armada of ships, including the Gladiator, Gladius, Javelin, and other UEE military ships that will be used in Squadron 42. And concept work has begun on the F-8 Lightning and a new ground vehicle that we'll see very, very soon. TM. Austin and Behavior are working on 3D concepts for the 890 Jump, Karak, Herald, Caterpillar, and the Bendu Collector. And work is underway to bring the Constellation and Cutlass variants into CryEngine. This week's interview was with Dan Tracy, lead technical designer. Dan says there's a lot of work to get done in the multiplayer ships to get them working correctly in Arena Commander, primarily due to the problems with simulating physics and separating your avatar from your ship entity. Dan also tells us of some fancy streaming tech in play to make planets load in the assets the closer you get, meaning the planets will become more detailed up close and less so further away, and that the size of the planets in the Persistent Universe hasn't been fully determined yet. 
towards the end of this week's episode, there's also a surprise announcement. Which, as you no doubt already discovered, is that the Aegis Gladius has been declassified and is now on sale at a pledge store near you. The Gladius is a fast, light fighter from a bygone era, but thanks to having fewer moving parts than a Hornet, still has a place in the UEE, and you lucky sits and sieves are now able to get your own versions. At 20 meters end-to-end, a max crew of one and absolutely no room for cargo. Despite being old, she's a worthy competitor to the Mustang and will no doubt be putting a dent in those sales figures. Uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering about, uh, about these additional ship sales. That's one of the problems that uh, the people that complain about development time and being able to deliver the product in a timely fashion. They, that's been one of their complaints, that there's too many ships and there's too many game modes and you're taking on too much stuff. And then... The uh, some more complaints come in about well, and then they're turning around and selling these things before they're ready to be even viewed uh, in the game. So you're 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 putting out money and you don't have anything to show for it, and you don't have a product and all kind of stuff. And I'm just like, people do understand that we're still in a crowdfunding mode, right? I mean, we're still the idea is we are still chasing a dream here, right? Everyone gets this. I'm not, this isn't surprising to anybody here. Uh, not to me. I'm clear on the concept, but I still wish they wouldn't put out ships until they're available for your hangar. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. And I think there was this, there was this community question with the Mustang too. And on the answer on the Mustang was hold off. And they did. I don't remember when the Gladys was announced as sort of a thing, but it seems to me that it was after the Mustang was announced as a thing. Yeah, it was one of the stretch goal ships, wasn't it, the Gladius? Maybe. I don't remember. But it seems to me like, you know, this the community gave an answer on the Mustang and Robert Space Industry said, okay, and went with it. But then there's this other ship, the Gladius, which is a Mustang competitor, uh, you know, similar to the Mustang, a light fighter and, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a squishy design sort of, you know, nothing sturdy or robust. But they're going to go ahead and take that one to market before it's an engine. This may sort of reignite that same debate once again, like Jeff was saying, we wish they would just sort of finish it and put it in the engine so at least that component of the argument would go away. Yes, we're chasing a dream. Yes, we're backing a project that's still in its infancy. But hey, at least, uh, you know, I've got art. They've given me art for my thing, for my, for my contribution, and now I can actually see what my money has, has, has brought me. I think this may be sort of more of a uh, a financial demonstration on the part of Robert Space Industries that, look, we can still bring the crowdfunding dollars in uh, when we need them. I think this might be more of a demonstration project than any kind of uh, uh, money grab, as people might uh, decide to put it. Uh, or it could be a straight money grab. might be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I just want to conduct a very, very quick straw poll here. You say about having it in-engine, but that has several different sort of it could, it could mean one of several different things. Like, would you be happy to have the ship in-engine, but no animations, no functionality? So you couldn't get in the ship, you could just walk around it and see it there as a model, kind of like the next great Starship ones. Or, would you want it to be in-game, in-engine, and to be able to get inside the cockpit, or open the doors, or, you know, because, like, when they put the freelancer in... You couldn't get into the beds and you couldn't do all that sort of stuff, but you could at least open the doors and walk around the ship and sit in the pilot seat. Would you be happy if they created a very, very base model that would just get chucked in the engine to begin with and then refine it later? Yeah, I mean, my argument is centered around the premise that uh, I have art. I have paid some money and now I have art. So a a 3D mesh with textures, effectively, you'd be cool with Yeah. Yeah, because and it's not me that would be cool. That I just I don't care. I'm I know this game's still in the crowdfunding mode, and any money I give to them is basically throwing it down a black hole. As far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm with that. I just want everyone else to stop arguing about it because not everybody's in the same place that I am. They give, uh, people expect to have money for their for their you know the people expect to have a return for their investment at this point. Way too early, to my way of thinking, but some people want that. And I'd like to shut those people up. Well, I know a couple of consultants that we could get them in touch with. <laughs> well, I, I, like, I, like we've said on this show, all of us have spent a great deal of money on supporting this project. And it's a well-worthy project to support. But I'm a cautious supporter. I don't like to buy just art. I want something tangible, even if it's a wireframe thing in my hangar. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I, I don't care that, you know, all the, you know, meshes aren't done or the... You know the outer appearance and the lighting aren't finished, and that I can't fly it in the in the arena commander yet. I, I know that will come, but at least I know that 
most of the work has been completed. It's sitting in my hangar, and I, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm kind of in agreement with you, Jeff. I think I, th- I think it would have been smarter. I think it would be less of a giving your enemies ammunition. And I don't think this this game really has enemies, but it has plenty of naysayers. And I spent a long time last week going down point for point on exactly what I thought of those issues. But this this doesn't help. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily hurt them either, but it doesn't help. And they, they would, I think, be wiser if they would uh, have something to more of Jeff's description, uh, something that, uh, you know, that, a tangible thing that you could walk around, sort of Lennon's, you know, lowercase, uh, you know, uh, scenario, something you can just see, and that way you do have something for your investment. Just don't shoot yourself in the foot on the PR side. I've got a pretty large deluxe hanger, and it's awfully empty. <laughs> Quit bragging. Yeah, I really want to fill it up. <laughs> which you can do only if they have stuff to put in the hangar. And that's this week's community question. Are you buying to back or are you purchasing to pew pew? What makes you open your wallet? Leave us an answer below our show post on guardfrequency.com or on our show thread over at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Well, speaking of those 200,000 sits and sieves now in multiplayer, Chris Roberts himself published an article on the CIG website saying that the increase in numbers has led to a unacceptable amount of lag and the occurrence of rubber banding, the effect of when ships seem to jump back in space. The team is hard at work nailing down those bugs for the 12.5 patch. This was my number one complaint last week and a big obstacle to me getting anywhere in the multiplayer, you know, aside from my subpar piloting skills. Um, and it's good to see that while the multiplayer systems are buggy, the community feedback slash developer work cycle is working as intended. There's still plenty of people giving feedback in there and they know what the problems are, so it's not like anybody else needs to say, hey guys, it's slow. Yes, we know. <laughs> We're working on it. So, Tony. Lennon. Tony. As you know, I've been away for a couple of weeks. Yes, we've missed you terribly. I'm sure you didn't. And I haven't experienced any lag because I've not been playing, and I have no idea about this multiplayer squadron mode or whatever. I I would have thought that they would have had enough time to at least assemble a pack, like a mission pack. Do Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I wonder. Go ahead and ask your question. I will do. I will do. Where the f*** is the Avenger mission pack? We don't have it. It's just not there. Content drought. I gave them two weeks. I know. I know. You went on vacation. You would have thought they would have had this fixed by now. But oh no. 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 It's not here yet. So again, once again, we've been forced to go do other things while waiting for this terrible content drought to end. Yeah, so what have, what have you guys been up to? Uh, well, I went back to Civ Five. It's a drug. It ah, really is terrible. It's I need terrible, to have words thing. with you about this. Right, so... I know, I, an intervention <laughs> is probably really what's more in order. <laughs> well, probably. But specifically, it's... it's I, I don't know, is it an intervention, like, if one drug user is... Blaming another drug user for interrupting their drug habit. Does that count as an intervention? Because not just, really. No. Let me just tell you the story here. Is um, I've I've been away for a week and I unfortunately missed out on a big part of the Steam sale, but I was looking for a few new games. So I went onto the recommended section and it said, based on your friend's playtime, we recommend Civilization Five. And I thought, okay, uh. well I've already got that. Um, like, why is it recommended? Tony Hunter has spent three hundred and seventy-eight hours playing Civ Five. We think you'll like it. In like, my defense, <laughs> now hang on, hold on, hold on. In my defense, in my defense, the, the it's not it's bad, but the th- what it is is I I quit playing at an extremely late hour at night. But I don't shut the computer. I don't shut it off. I just minimize it because right, I know I'm coming yeah. right back to that thing okay. the next day. I mean, mathematically, it would be impossible for me to be playing that much because I have to like go to work and stuff. But no, I just I just minimize it and keep it low. I keep it on the the toolbar because I know when, right when I get home. And then See, it comes back up. I'm, I'm, I'm not right where I was. I reckon. I reckon you introduced the prairie chickens into into the, sort of like the middle part of Texas where you are. Um, I don't know if you're in. Oh, Texas, no, I'm in, I'm in Kansas. I'm in no, Kansas. Texas, Close enough Texas. to Texas. Texas. Okay, so just to give you a, a Europeans' perspective of America. You have New York, Texas, California. Nothing else matters, right? So okay, you, you right. live in Texas. It's the middle. I live in Texas. Right. Okay, <laughs> the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I reckon. I reckon you introduce these prairie chickens. Oh no, can't go to work today. Prairie chickens at Civ 5. Oh. oh, I can't go to space today. Civ 5. Uh, might as well. Uh, nothing else better to do. So, Jeff, what have you been up to? Well, I've been playing uh, Battlefield 4 with our executive producer and uh, doing this whole squad thing and, and uh, you know, making light of other people. Hey, have you been trolling? Jeff? Oh, no. Aren't you too old? I am. Shame. 
So you're already getting ready for first-person shooter mode, right? Is that what you're looking yeah. for? It's not so much practice. It's fun. Death is always a wonderful thing when you share it with friends. That's right. Now, we could <laughs> use a couple more uh, Priority One production members in our P1 squadron. You can contact me, and I can send you an invite to our little platoon, and we can all hook up and, of course, get, uh, get cracking and become the best damn battlefield platoon ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're not starting another podcast. No. Where, what have you been doing, Lennon? I I have been in France. It's been great. I've eaten more cheese and more bread than I. I think I'm above the legal limit. I don't know if there's anything like a DUI for eating cheese, but I'm definitely over. I am just. Pff, uh, I think I'm gonna have to take the next year off of dairy products. Um, yes, I think uh, the OD bar guys are going to have to get paid. <laughs> I that I need an OT bar. I need to become regular again. The Did amount I hear of cheese OT bar. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've missed this. So, yes. France was wonderful, and uh, I, I, you know, I hear if you take your girlfriend to France, you know, that uh, she will stick around for another year and let you take her to France again. That's what I hear. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Hannah's already planning the holiday for next year, so um, yeah. It, yeah, it worked. It worked. Wow, that's what we've been up to this past two weeks. I get no week since the last production, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, you've been gone for. Yeah, well, that's all that matters. So this is what yeah. we've been up to for the past two weeks. Just ignore these losers and that shivery being blokey, whatever. Um, yeah, so we'd love to hear what you guys have been up to. So why not drop us a line with what you're up to to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But with the latest news from CIG covered, let's make sure our assets are covered in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, sits and sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. A warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so anything that we say is subject to change. So, taking a leaf from those scallywags in our prelude, this week we're going to talk about the most fascinating of banking-based subjects, insurance. Now, much like insurance for your house, or your car, or your pets, or your cheese, yeah, we're still waiting on a response from Lloyds of London for that one. Insurance in the verse will help cover you for the cost of replacing your hull should you find yourself on the wrong end of a vandal rooty tooty point and shooty. One important thing to take into consideration here is the terminology used. RSI uses the term hull insurance, which actually covers your ship's base hull and the base modules, such as the guns and thrusters. However, customized or upgraded modules are not covered in the basic hull insurance. You will be able to buy separate insurance to cover your upgraded modules and your cargo. If you've ever played EVE Online, then most of this will be familiar to you. However, unlike EVE Online, if you need to make a claim, you aren't given the value in credits, but rather a physical replacement hull with all the basic trimmings. Importantly, ship replacement will not be immediate, and large or rare vessels like the Idris M may take days or even weeks for the insurance company to replace. You may be able to speed up delivery by going to a planet where your replacement hull is being manufactured, provided, of course, that you can find someone to take you or you can pay for passage. Also, the more frequently you lose ships, the longer it will take to get a replacement hull, as the insurance company will need to investigate the claims to make sure that you aren't doing something incredibly stupid, such as using your ship for a battering ram, or worse, you're committing insurance fraud. Now, insurance can be paid for in-game with credits, and the devs have said that the insurance won't be cost-prohibitive, but it will vary on price, depending on the sectors in which you tend to operate. The more lawless the space, the higher the premiums. And you may find that some insurance policies for weapons and cargo won't cover any loss in certain sectors. However, hull insurance works everywhere. In short, if you get blown to teeny tiny pieces in known pirate-ran sectors, you will lose everything except your ship's hull. Still with us so far? Good keep at it, it'll be worth it in the end. However, this is where it gets a little bit muddy. If you were one of the really early backers, you were given a bonus of lifetime insurance, or LTI, which has a whole series of extra considerations. The easiest way to see if your ship has LTI is to you know, look at your account on the RSI website. And if it says lifetime insurance, then congratulations. If you're having no such luck, then ask yourself the following questions. Did you buy your ship on or before November 26, 2012? If yes, then you're an original backer and have LTI. And any ship purchased up until November 26, 2013 will also have LTI. Any ship bought during this time can be gifted to anyone, and the LTI will transfer on that ship. So the giftee will now have LTI on that haul. 
Did you buy your first ship after November 26, 2012, but before July 6, 2013? If yes, then you're a veteran backer, and every ship purchased until November 26, 2013 will have LTI. And if you gift one of those ships to someone else, they'll have LTI on that hull. And lastly, did you purchase your first ship after 6th of July, 2013? Well, unfortunately, you don't have LTI as you're neither a veteran nor an original backer, which means that the only way to get LTI is to acquire ship from one of these other groups. Still with us? Great! You've unlocked this week's achievement! Now, no doubt you have questions. Luckily, we have answers. We think, mostly. Lennon, go! Hey, Tony, Tony, if I sell a ship with LTI, what happens to the insurance? The LTI is associated with the hull, so the LTI for that ship goes to the person you sell it to. Hey, Tony, what if I steal a ship with LTI? Well, stolen ships aren't insured, period. Therefore, LTI does not go with the ship. Hey, hey, Tony, if someone gifts me a ship with LTI, does that mean that any other ships I buy will also have LTI? No! Only original or veteran backers have access to LTI on new ships. Are you a vet? Are you original? No! So no. If you keep your gifted ship and buy a new ship, your new ship will not have LTI. Hey, Tony, Tony, what if I melt my ship? According to what we can find out, if you melt a ship with lifetime insurance to upgrade it to a higher tier ship, then the new higher tier ship should have lifetime insurance. You can do this as many times as you like, but once you use the ship in-game, it'll be stuck to that hull, and no amount of melting will remove the LTI. So, Tony, if I use the ship in Arena Commander, does that count as using the ship in-game? And will my LTI kick in on that hull? And what would happen if I modify the ship? At this stage, insurance isn't in Arena Commander, so your LTI is completely safe. Hey, Tony, I heard that lifetime insurance works everywhere, but regular hull insurance does not. Haha, <laughs> sorry, you've been trolled. There is absolutely no difference between LTI hull insurance and hull insurance you pay by the month or quarter or year. But, but Tony, I heard hull insurance doesn't work everywhere. Hull insurance works everywhere. The July 2013 issue of Jump Point had some fiction in it suggesting the loss of your ship in certain high-security military areas would void your hull insurance. This was fiction. Some early conversations about hull insurance implied it might not work everywhere. But rest assured, hull insurance works in UEE space, Vanduul space, pirate space, and everywhere else. This has been confirmed by the devs and we'll have links in the show notes. The only way to get your hull insurance voided is by insurance fraud. Okay, okay, so, what if I melt the ship, sell the melted sludge to a friend who trades it to a pirate who calls in a consultant, who splits the sludge in half, invests half in a vandal mutual fund, reforms the ship, Look, moron, you can probably think of a million ways to game an insurance system. The most obvious of these is to let your friend board and capture your ship, and you file an insurance claim. Well, guess what? Your friend will be hunted not only by the UEE, but also civilian bounty hunters. And if you keep up these shenanigans, your insurance will become void. Even if it's LTI, yes, you can lose your LTI. Both Chris Roberts and many others at CIG have repeatedly said insurance fraud will be a huge focus for the team and will be dealt with very harshly. So while you can think of ways to gain the system, I suggest you don't risk your wealth or account doing it. Well, that's everything that we know so far about insurance, both LTI and standard insurance. As we said at the front, though, everything is subject to change. So if we do hear anything new, we will, of course, revisit these segments in the future. Well, next week, we're going to be turning the keys over to you once more and running a ship poll where you get to vote on what you want us to talk about for next week's Nuggets for Nuggets. So be sure to check out the poll attached to the show post over at guardfringsea.com slash 030 and be sure to make your vote count. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sieve taught you that we should all know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly!
coming to us from our show post at guardfrequency.com, Richard writes in and says, Great episode as always, guys. A mass driver would be great against the Xi'an scout ship or the like. Something hard to hit with, but very little armor or structure. Trying to cut through that ship's shields with an energy weapon would be frustrating because it would be very difficult to keep your guns pointed at it just long enough. You may bring the shields down, but then it will be gone, and by the time you see it again, the shields will be fully recharged. On the other hand, even the partial damage caused by a chain gun projectile through the shields would be deadly to such a vulnerable boat. Yeah, that's the legendary shield in the eggshell hull scenario. I think, yeah, I think you're right. If, if of course, we're correct about the way that kinetic damage works in the verse, which yeah, we may not be, but I think we're right. I think so, too. And Brandon Tulliver says, get that just and off the air. I'm not sure why this even made it in. But I, that's because chivalry is an honest man. Ah. And, you know, he takes negative feedback in stride and he approves those comments, even if they're negative towards him and followed by one, two, three, four, five exclamation marks. And even if his best friends are the ones sending it in. Man, with friends like that, you don't need enemies. Anything? Okay, I'm going to go. Sean Newboy writes in, Love the episode, everyone. As for the community question, I always want UI customization in MMOs. That's the one thing I loved about WoW. Okay, hold on. Okay, who sees... Does anybody else see what's wrong with this response? I'm going to take Sean Newboy to the, to the woodshed on this one. Anybody else want to help me out on this well, one? Well, no, because I almost agree with him. I love UI customization. Oh, I'm going to take you to the woodshed, too. Oh, yeah, you bring it, boy. Here we go. I'm coming, old man. I'm coming at you. Here I come. Look out. Um, Here I come. <laughs> I'm waiting right. with my fruity right. bar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. First of all, first of all, this is it, this is not our traditional MMO. First of all, second of all, any comparisons to World of Warcraft are going to have to be made very carefully. I, I agree. And here's why. I agree with that. Here, I well, agree with why. that. Okay. All right. So far, we're okay. So far, this is the problem. The UI customization is that depending on what it is you want, there's an information advantage that could be had from that, and that's I think where the line is going to have to be sort of drawn. If you're able to put more up on your display because you have a bigger screen or the Oculus Rift or whatever, you can you multi-screen things or whatever, you kind of have an information advantage over somebody else that's flying in a skill-based game. So I think that that's going to have to be, that's a tricky balance consideration that they're going to have to work through. It's not like an MMO like World of Warcraft where if you can see your inventory bag um, and know that you can put different spells in your little hotbar, that's kind of an advantage, but then everything's still on a cooldown, and swapping out stuff out of your bar is a penalty and all that other kind of stuff. So it's sort of negated. Whereas in a skill-based Twitch game, they can't put those you know uh, negations in. So I think that's where you're going to have to work on it. I don't think that was the intent of the idea for customization. I like to read information that I'm getting from my existing HUD. I might want that data displayed to me in a different way method uh or i might read left to right or up and down or or you know uh in other ways so the generic hud may not work for me where i can put my my hud shield views in the right hand corner instead of the left hand corner that's what i'm talking i'd like a bigger radar well that's what i'm talking about a customization i mean right and that might give me an advantage over somebody that doesn't have as much screen or real estate as i do and i think again that's the tricky part you can you can say that well I just want to rearrange it or make it more you know make things different or bigger or smaller or over to the left or over to the right but then that makes more room for a bigger radar and all of a sudden that's an advantage I'm just I'm just saying it's a fine line and UI customization seems sort of benign but there's a lot of trickiness to it and I think that that's a problem and comparing it to World of Warcraft right away that's like a for me it was a big red flag like ooh no 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 it can't be like World of Warcraft it'll have to be something. Just for Star Citizen. Yeah, I don't think you're trying to compare it to World of Warcraft as far as... uh, I think it was that World of Warcraft was one of the first to allow customization of of the... From the generic view. I think the difference here as well, though, is that with something like World of Warcraft or, you know, even Star Trek Online, EVE Online, the UI that you see actually isn't in the game world. It's an interface between you and the game world. Mm. Whereas with Arena Commander and the persistent universe in general you are in the game world what you see there is your hud it's not an overlay for you as a person to interact with your avatar it is what your avatar is seeing so i i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of torn on this i mean if it exists within the ship model 
that you can scale the the radar up and down or you know there's several different screens within the cockpit maybe you could have this information on that screen that information on this screen and i believe that um you are able eventually to have um right now it's on like the f keys f1 2 3 and 4 to change your uh to change your hud on the left hand side i know that they right. were talking about being able to put that on the small screens that are in your cockpit so you can lock a screen to a particular view which you know that would be at least some level of customization one thing that i would really like to see though would be the ability to change colors on things and that's just primarily because i'm colorblind right. so you know a red dot to you might be great but it's i'm then disadvantaged because i can't see that red dot as well as you can so that's kind right. of like the reverse scenario if you see what i mean and that's the other point i was going to bring up too is that i'm used to amber i see better with an amber colors in my hud also indicators i'll use jump gate as a example because we had custom huds in that and all they did was take the standard bitmaps and change the indicators for those into a, in a different way so that you could um, pick them out a little bit better from the rsi forum post berserker one says tony i think you might have missed the point there are tons of independent groups with newer devs who will tell their players everything, including what is going wrong with the project. If the article is the same as I am thinking about, people want CIG to be less PR and more honest about everything going on. Their approach to transparency thus far is saying, we will tell you everything we want to show you. So when we get massive delays with nothing but good news from the devs, people immediately start wondering what is going on behind the scenes that they just aren't showing us. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I think I get the point, and people would like them to be less PR, but the, the problem is the smaller indie dev companies don't have a $45 million, $50 million budget, and they're not responsible for the welfare and the well-being of 200, 300 people. And so there's no real need to have message control, because if you get the message wrong, you might mess up you and a couple of your buddies, you know, you it might be your thing that you're doing, and your community is so small that damage control is relatively easy. Not so. Not the fact that you might say or do something that inadvertently cuts off your funding because everybody's pissed at you. Sure, but again, if even if you do make that kind of mistake with a small indie dev company with its you know a half a dozen people working on the game and your community uh, consists of a couple hundred or you know a couple thousand people, it, it's not hard to propagate an oopsie through that group, That's, right? Yeah. But it's hard to propagate an oopsie among 300 employees who have pledged, you know, their livelihoods to helping you work on this, you know, project, and then half a million people who have at least signed up for the website, if not the 100,000 or 200,000 people that have actually contributed money. I mean, that's hard to get an oopsie to propagate through that size of a, of a, of a group. So, not to mention all of the people sitting on the sidelines waiting to see if this thing dies or succeeds, and people rooting for it on both sides. So... A little message control um, is called for in this situation just because of the damage the wrong message can do before you can get the correction out there. We've all heard the saying, you know, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on. It doesn't even have to be a lie. It can just be a mistake. So uh, it, 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 message control is called for here, and it needs to happen. And the bigger a company gets, unfortunately, the more important that is. It's just the it's just the unfortunate truth. Well, Saladin kind of touches more on that and says, I would say that CIG has been honest about virtually everything. Take the recent post about the multiplayer issues that was unforeseen. I would call that notification of their current struggles. Also, the Bug Smasher guy is a sample of a ton of work they're dealing with on a Q&A and bug side. Anytime a journalist titles an article with a question mark, it's opinion and hyperbole that's light on facts. Also, as Jeff pointed out, Chris Roberts and CIG owe us nothing. We fronted the money for an intangible idea and we're the ones at risk. If they deliver, we all win. If they don't, just like a bad investment, we lose. Enough said. Yeah, yeah. except I think at this point, you know, we have got something. We've got Arena Commander. So, yeah, most yeah. people, you know, it's not complete, but even if it doesn't go any further, we pledged knowing that we were pledging for a, a what, well, like you said, like an intangible product. And we actually have something now. So... That's a result anyway. We got something out of a Kickstarter. Grant, granted, this is about a tenth of what I expect to get for my investment, but, I mean, it is something. But exactly, a tenth is better than a zeroth of your return. Yes. You know. <laughs> I will take a tenth any day over a zeroth. 
Yes. I'm not even sure if zeroth is a measurement. Do you have? Do you know any consultants that we can get in to help me with my? I've got a couple guys. My space go. math. <laughs> and uh, and from Twitter, there was quite a hilarious exchange that happened when we tweeted Bandit Loaf to say that we interviewed his brother at TNGS, and a few other guys joined in. It's a hilarious conversation that involves Pokemon and Star Wars, and so you guys really need to see this play out. We're going to have a link to this one in the show notes, so be sure to check that one out. Ken from Chicago sends a trifecta of tweets. What? Chivalry means back? Hashtag red alert. And... At Guardfreak, if you're looking for advice on space combat with ships with energy shields and armored hulls, STO Priority One can help. Hashtag Geek Logic. Yes, very important. And it's very important that if you guys are fans of Star Trek Online or Priority One Podcast, that you check out their Indiegogo page. There's still time to contribute to getting the team to Star Trek Las Vegas 2014. Hit Indiegogo.com and then search on Priority, or just follow the links in our show notes and you can contribute to that cause. And finally, Ken from Chicago finishes up his uh, triple play here. What if Robert Space Industries made star citizenships that could merge together a la Voltron? And then he puts a link in there to a video that was from British Aerospace that had some futuristic concepts of, uh, of what uh, aircraft of the future might look like, including one that looked like a chip. Like a, it was like a little triangle, it was a little Dorito, and it broke off two small Doritos, which went to bomb people and drop off supplies to a, a helpful um, humanitarian worker and then reformed into one giant Dorito to fly away. So it's uh, it's kind of fun. And from Facebook, Mike Poley. Hey, Shiv, you did great. Given all these compliments about Shivery Bean, I wonder who compiled the feedback this week. Wouldn't that be our community manager? Was oh, it that's his name. Yeah, <laughs> Shivery oh, Bean. Yeah. How was the show? Did you hear the sweet siren call of Star Citizen Love? Or were we drowned out by the sonic boom of our suckitude? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways that you can get in touch with us. Check us out on our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just look for us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak. And leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 30 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 31 on July the 22nd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our posts over at guardfrequency.com or our post over on the Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website. All the details for all of our contact methods will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come and join our team? If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We are always on the lookout for talented individuals, and right now we're seeking an audio engineer to come and join us. So if you'd like to be part of the best damn space sim podcast ever, then we want to hear from you. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, join us live at guardfrequency.com slash live, 8 p.m. Central, 2 a.m. Sunday, GMT. And if you join us live, you actually tend to get twice as much show for the price of a show because we go on for Right, you ages. hear all the stuff. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I'm, all the stuff that ends up in the cutting room floor, all of it. I'm a well-known clock Nazi, so if you want a show an hour and a half long minimum, come join us live. And we want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Special thanks to our community manager, Jay Shivery Bean, and our artist, Simon Chilton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music during our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Greetings, Sits and Sieves. I'm back, and you're listening to Guard Frequency. As all good fire. Uh, <laughs>
He's back. Good show. (laughs) It's going to be, he's back. He's back. And his first words. Lennon will helpfully insert the call of the lesser prairie chicken in post-production right here. But uh, what'd you say it sounded like, Lennon? Uh, like a really bad 1960s Star Trek sci-fi sound effect. It's all like... Yeah, more, yes, I can confirm. More or less just like oh, that. Oh, God, I'm surrounded by prairie chickens. What's going on? <laughs> Too bad, man. You, t- you stand good. Yeah, prairie you chickens in, in England? Oh, that's great. He does now. <laughs> he does now. We're going to make a mating call like yeah. that. We're flocking overseas to get to Leonard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just trying to take Thank- care of your problem, Tony. 200,000 backers now have access to Karina... Karina Amanda. Karina Amanda, yes. I, I know someone called Karina Amanda. Karina Amanda? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely name, Karina Amanda. A lovely name, okay. For the 890 jump, Karak and Harold Caterpillar. Oh, that's... I'm sorry, oh, that's not that's not one word or one name. <laughs> the Harold Caterpillar, yeah. <laughs> yes, from Harold. And I'm wondering if this is going to bring another round of, of, like Jeff was saying... I wish people would just wait till at least it was in the hangar until you tried to sell it. And I think this has more to do with... Is, is that a plate? Or what? Are you eating? I thought I heard somebody eating. Sorry, was I being loud? <laughs> you are eating, aren't you? I, it's my dinner time. I always eat during the show. I just didn't know anybody could hear me. Uh, we normally busted. Don't. You're, oh, you're so busted. Usually it's your chair that busts I know. You. Yeah. Usually it's your chair that well, gets I'm you. I'm embarrassed <laughs> now. That has uh, a promo of uh, British Air. Uh, I forget what the BAE stands for, but it's British something. British Air. It has a link to aerospace. a British Aerospace. What's what's the E? I should know this because they are literally like from where I live. There's a hill, and they are at the top of the hill. And I should I should know this. Ah, sorry. Just BAE. Poke your head out British, the window. It, it is it's British Aerospace. The E is technically lowercase. It's B-A-E, as in B-A-E. British Aerospace. Okay. And then reformed into one giant Dorito to fly away. Tony, so Tony, it's, Tony. Uh, it's kind of fun. Hmm? It's, it's, it's a crisp. If you're talking about the British, it's a crisp, not a chip. Oh, so it's a, oh okay, so it's a Dorito crisp. Yes. No, I thought crisps were cookies. Uh, no, no, those are biscuits. No, those are biscuits. biscuits. 